0: And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. Welcome everyone and thank you to all our listeners who join us each week to hear amazing insights from Exceptional leaders. And today we have Dan Stanley joining us. Now, Dan is the founder of Better Men. And Dan works with professionally, professional and successful men that actually feel a sense of dissatisfaction in their lives. So it's going to be very interesting to how you hear how you got started in this, Dan, and your your role in leading, leading your business and where you're taking it. So Please to an introduction. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Rebecca. Yeah, I feel very privileged to be able to share my message and story with your audience. So as Rebecca said, my name is Dan Stanley. Uh, my business is called Better Men. I work with guys that have kind of got to a stage of their lives where their professional success is adversely impacting their experience of life. They're usually kind of CEOs or C-suite members uh, in the 30s, 40s and 50s that recognize that they've started to um, perhaps dilute themselves in terms of what they used to stand for. They've lost a sense of purpose and clarity around who they are and what they want. They are spreading themselves too thin through their work-life balance. They're trying to do too many things and be in too many places, and as a result, their health, their well-being, and their relationships are starting to deteriorate. And uh, I've been very privileged over the last three years. Lots of men have placed their confidence and trust in trusting me, and I've worked with professional sportsmen, um, celebrities, business owners, serial entrepreneurs. I've helped these men to, in some cases, to change or reignite their careers, to exit their businesses, and in some cases, save their marriages.
0: Well, and we're going to be delving into that because that's a very interesting area of, you know, kind of coming to a stage in your life when perhaps you recognize that it's not all that you thought it was going to be. So what got you into this in the very first place, Dan? Might be an interesting place to start.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, I believe that vulnerability is essentially having the courage to show up regardless of being able to control the situation or the environment that comes afterward. Uh, I'm going to be vulnerable here because it's part of my story and it's kind of what put me on this path to coaching and working with other successful men. So I spent 35 years of my life pretending to be me. I essentially didn't know who I was and what I wanted. And kind of the 6th of December was the day that my life changed. It was the day that my daughter was born, and it was the day that kind of triggered the consequence of what was, quite frankly, a midlife crisis. Um, Orwell says, a man, a man wears a mask and his face grows to fill it. And that's what I was doing. I'd spent all those years, decades of my life, pretending to be this person that I thought others people wanted me to be. And as a result, kind of I adopted this persona of a nice guy. I would dilute who I felt I wanted to be in the... in because I wanted to appease people and to keep them happy and because I didn't want to experience any kind of form of rejection or kind of isolation from them Uh, and all that came as a direct result of not having my dad in my life and I didn't know at the time obviously that was an issue for me I kind of went through my my teens and my 20s and you know half of my 30s with this kind of mask because my deepest fear I used to think it was around failure but it wasn't it was around rejection and the way I got past that and the way that I added value to, my, to the world um, was through sporting achievements, through military success, through raising money for charity, through being successful in my, my business practices. But the reality was that no matter what I did, Rebecca, no matter what boxes I ticked, no matter what level of accomplishment I achieved, I never felt good enough. And my daughter being been born on that day on the 6th of December, kind of sent me into a tailspin. Um, if I fast forward a few months, it meant that me and my wife, we separated and trying to raise a baby run a business um and do all this while she's going through the stages of uh, and the pain of divorce was a, a really difficult kind of period for me and things started to change kind of a friend of mine bought a book and she gifted it to me you know she was very spiritual in nature and because she was spiritual and because I was in such a such a, an adverse place, I didn't have any time or capacity to read anything that I thought wouldn't benefit me. But uh, Christmas Day, 2017, I was on my own through choice. Um, I decided to essentially lie to all my friends and my extended family um, because I didn't have the heart to be around all these happy, uh, glad, celebrating families. So I was in a, a rental house on my own with my dog, I'd gone for a long walk. And when I came back, um, I opened a bottle of red wine. And then I opened another. And I started turning the pages of this book. And it was by an American author called Michael Singer. And it's called Untethered Soul. And perhaps within the first 50 pages of that book, it taught me something that I'd never been exposed to. It taught me about my relationship with my inner voice, my inner critic, and that dialogue, that constant chatter that was chastising me. and, And as a result, kind of, really leading me into this place of kind of a, a poor mental health. And having read that book, kind of realized that I, I had more control and more power than I ever thought possible. And it's kind of a, a bit of a, a parody, I suppose, because we're taught what to think but not how to think. You know, when we're born and raised and we're conditioned either through parental figures or through educational systems or through our you know early days in our corporate careers, we are kind of we follow other people and we role model what they do. And the difficulty there is that lots of these people come from previous generations. And I really do believe that kind of the reason there's so much divorce now, there's so much mental health is that we haven't got the communication skills to be able to relate to ourselves and to other people. And through my own adversity, it kind of put me into this space where I realized there's lots of other men that were seemingly successful. They were living in nice detached houses, driving nice German cars, maybe having a Swiss watch on their wrist. But the reality was it was behind the mask. They felt unfulfilled and unhappy. They felt disconnected and lonely. And I decided to do something about it. So at the time, it felt like a niche concept. You know, people uh, in my people I trusted were saying, you know, men are difficult to reach down. How are you going to reach men? How are you going to show them that there's a there's a different way? Perhaps there's a better way forward. And I just decided to turn up as I am here now. I decided to share my story. To, to let people into my life and then to show them that, you know, I could have quite easily stayed in that space where I'm ticking a lot of boxes and to the outside world, it looks like I was kind of winning in my life, but because it, it never felt the way I wanted it to. And what I do now, Rebecca, quite simply, is I create space for men, um, a space in which they probably never experienced in their lives. It's non judgmental, um, it's the safest space where they can park their ego, they can take off their masks and they can communicate authentically, the things that are in their mind, the things that they've been carrying in their heart, the pains of the past, the fears of the future. And it's just a really unique space.
0: Um, Dan, that is an amazing story. And I'm going to go back in a minute to that vision of you being on your own, second bottle of wine, dog, you've been out for a walk and you're reading this book and something clicked for you and you began to appreciate that there was this voice... In your head that was almost determining your life mm. i mean i am such a massive fan of mindset and i had a similar experience to you in reading a book made me realize that I, I i was in control of my life thankfully i read that book at quite a young age
1: yeah
0: um so what did you do after you read that book Because the topic that we are going to really focus on is leading yourself. So could you take us through what you did after you read that book and thought, hmm, I need to make changes? What happened?
1: Sure. Quite simply, I took responsibility for living my own life on my own terms. And the first part of that responsibility was around my marriage. I recognized that I really loved my wife but because of the difficulties of my mental health and where I was in that space and my kind of, I was too stubborn to stop and that kind of misplaced stoic attitude that lots of men kind of adopt meant that I couldn't communicate to my wife. So that's where I started. I took responsibility and I started to communicate with my wife. And uh, rather naively, we went on to the the Maldives on a holiday about six weeks after, I kind of had this realisation around how I could manage my inner dialogue and therefore take better or more control of my life. And we went out to the Maldives on a make-or-break holiday, I suppose. We left our daughter at home, and uh, whilst I was on the beach one day, I was reading a book about the New Zealand All Blacks called Legacy. And a few sun lounges down, there was a guy in here was reading Steve Peter's Chimp Paradox. And uh, rather flippantly, he sort of leant across and said, "You know, we must be the only two guys in the Maldives reading self-help books." He's like, well, "What's your story?" And uh, I tried to bat him away with a little bit of, uh, of humor, uh, and it didn't work. He said, "Get a beer and meet me on the beach," and uh, and I did that. And two guys who didn't know each other. Um, Similar kind of age in, in, the, you know, in the 30s, both in good shape. I'd come from kind of a competitive sports background in the military, and, and this guy was in good shape as well. And uh, it turned out, although I didn't recognize him, he was an ex-premiership footballer. He played for one of the big London clubs. He'd have the kind of, you know, the trappings of that level of wealth and success, the apartment, the sports cars, the models, all the kind of stuff that, that he thought he'd always wanted. And, uh, and then he told me about how he'd had two knee operations and they hadn't worked. And he went from having this real strong sense of identity as a, you know, an elite sportsman, a professional sportsman, to essentially been in a spiral of, of, of depression and isolation. And he talked about gambling, about drugs, uh, about drink, and kind of he shared his life story. And he showed it in a way that I didn't think was possible for a man to do. I'd never seen, even in my time in the military, in war zones and in peacetime, I'd never heard a man speak with such authenticity, authenticity and vulnerability. And he leaned across, and he doesn't realize this till this day, but maybe I should reach out and tell him what happened as a result. But he leaned across and said to me, on this white sandy beach, this turquoise ocean, he leaned across and said, the only difference between a grave and a rut is the depth, and that was the most profound thing I'd ever heard in my life. It was straight to my heart, and I walked back across the beach to my wife, who was reading the magazine, and I said, "When we get home, I'm going to take some time out. I'm going to close my business and take some time out." And she sort of looked up but didn't really engage in conversation, which was probably what I needed at that time. I needed the space, not to be distracted or to be doing something for anybody else. It needed to be for me. So my wife fell asleep from the buy back to Heathrow. I wrote an exit plan for my business. And four weeks later, I closed it down. I took eight months off, eight months out of my life. Lots of people were saying, you know, asking questions, Dan, what what are you doing? you, You can't just close your business. What are you gonna do in the future? And I didn't have any answers to any of those questions, Rebecca. And because I'd managed to calm this constant noise in my mind, I realized it didn't matter. I realized that I had a choice. It was either trying to be this people pleasing person and adopting this persona where I was everything to everybody, or I could be my own man and give myself permission just to step into that space, to lean into my fears and to progress my life in a direction that I wanted to go. And uh, yeah, my adversity introduced me to who I was and I didn't like who I saw in a mirror. So I decided to change, change that man.
0: Do you think that adversity is a good thing for us all to experience um, because it makes us um, better, generally speaking? Do you think, and is this something that you, with what you do, you, you, you talk about facing adversity um, to lead your life, to, take, to move forward?
1: I think adversity gives us a choice. It gives us a choice between the short-term pain of change but a long-term discomfort of remaining the same, because quite frankly, if something's not working for us, there needs to be an element of change. And that change can be in our head. It can be in our heart. It can be in in our external world. But if something's not working for us and we try to suppress or reject the feelings that we have around what's not working at some point, it's, it's going to blow up. There's going to be some kind of explosion or implosion and we're going to be forced to change. So one of the things I do with my clients is an analogy that I use with them and I invite them to imagine that they're on holiday and they're in a swimming pool and they're pushing a ball under the water. And this ball is their emotions it's their feelings it's their thoughts it's kind of all the difficulties that they've got in their life right now and at some point because they're pushing they're forcing a the ball into the water they have to take their hands off because they're fatigued and tired and when they take their hands off the ball and it explodes out the water that's often what happens to men to be some and ladies there'll be some kind of life quake a place that they get to where they just can't handle the pressure anymore and it'll either manifest in burnout or in kind of marital conflict or some kind of, you know, regression from career. But the reality is if we ignore our adversity, it isn't going to go away. You know, we can either choose to move towards it ourselves or we can, you know, bring in a professional, whether it's a coach or a counselor or a therapist, but we can't keep turning away from, the, from our experiences of life.
0: Well, could we, could you share some practical um, tips Dan for people who may be in this situation themselves and how would you what tips would you recommend to people start leading their life being being in charge of their life designing yeah. their life taking their life forward
1: the, the first would be work life integration. You know, we're kind of taught that everything should happen on uh, in kind of binary patterns or to be compartmentalized. Uh, and even the whole analogy of work-life balance just doesn't exist. You know, balance to me is kind of having everything equal at the same time. And it doesn't happen. But because we try to achieve it, we set ourselves up to fail before we've even started. So the first is to look at work-life integration, you know. There's no, I don't have a problem with either myself or my clients really committing to a piece of work or project if it's really important. But the reality is that in doing so, you need to be conscious of your self-care. What are you doing to keep yourself at your best during that piece of work? Once you've completed it, how are you going to celebrate those wins? Next, after work-life integration, I would suggest that communication, you know, for me, our quality of our life revolves around our ability to communicate, both of ourselves and others. And you know, we're kind of taught in many ways to to over-index kind of intellectual intelligence over emotional intelligence. And I'm starting to see a bit of a change in that. You know, my my daughter's four and a half now. My little boy's two and a half. We have two children now. And uh, we went to, they're in a privately educated school. So we pay. And the head teacher walked us around the school. And the conversation that the head teacher was talking about was about us on the syllabus. And she didn't mention around kind of the emotional intelligence component so when I asked that question, she actually said, no one's ever asked that. Uh, when I look at the demographic of people that go to send their children to the school that my daughter goes to, most of these people are leaders, but they don't, take into, they don't take into consideration the emotional intelligence, the ability to relate to themselves, to regulate their own emotions, to get to know their people. And partly the reason I think that happens is because when we're coming through kind of our, in our our career or our business, because we have so much emphasis on outcomes, we don't consider our people. And if we can't connect and communicate with ourselves, we can't do it with other people. So I think work-life integration, our ability to communicate and curiosity. You know, most people are so certain and so binary in how they approach their, their life that they sometimes end up blinkered. And, you know, it's not about no, it's not about what we know. It's about asking those questions to expand what we know. And, you know, I, that's what I ask my clients to do, to consider how they integrate their life, to make it work more, more connected, more efficiently, more smoothly, to bring their family on their journey, to manage their mental health and their physical well-being. Because when they take responsibility for those things like I did in my life, everything seems to flow much more easily, much more readily.
0: One of the things I love about um, hosting a podcast is that I get to ask those questions to find out how do other people do things? What are other people's perspectives on life? How important do you think, Dan, in all of that is mindset? It's critical. You know,
1: we we look at, you know, it's very sort of common knowledge, I suppose, now, and probably lots of people have encountered this on kind of leadership seminars or coaching programs around fixed and growth mindset. But, you know, our, our mindset essentially determines our experience of life. Um, if we step back from kind of what we just spoke about initially about we only know what we know, our mindset, when we have the ability to, the curiosity to inquire within ourselves about how we're thinking and feeling and to use that self-awareness which I believe is a prerequisite for any kind of success if we haven't got self-awareness then we're going to have this kind of artificial ceiling that we put in place for ourselves and what that ultimately allows us to do is to improve our levels of self-esteem the way I look at self-esteem is it's the well-being of our mind if we have high levels of self-esteem the chances are that we have the, the confidence to and the courage to be ourselves we don't have to dilute who we are we don't need to appease other people we don't believe in a terminology of difficult conversations we just recognize there's only honest conversations and and for me that's what mindset does it provides capacity for us to step into to step into who we want to be how we want to live and to to address the challenges we're experiencing.
0: I mean, it's great that um, when uh, we've done a review, we've had probably about um, over 50 leaders on our podcast now. And when we do a review of the key things and key messages that they, yeah. they bring, emotional intelligence is up in that top three. It's kind of being authentic and yeah. having high levels of emotional intelligence. So I think you're right. It is really now being recognized as so important as a leader. And we can all be leaders at all different kind of stages of our lives. Um, we're leading children, for example, aren't we? Yeah. So bringing that emotional and intelligent aspect in is really important. So how does your life look like now? I mean, you went through that challenging time, the two bottles of wine, the, the holiday. So your marriage is back together by the sounds of things because you've, you've got another child. So what does life look like for you today? What does leadership mean to you?
1: Leadership for me is about influence. You know, we could make it complicated, unnecessarily complicated. You know, we could try and create almost a a false economy around leadership, but ultimately it's about influence. And I believe our ability to lead others is directly related to our ability to lead ourselves. And sometimes what can happen is that we, we focus so much on the external component of leadership that we want to, we tell people what to do. But when people get past that of us telling or inviting or asking people to do things, they look at what we're doing ourselves. And I think the reason that I'm so successful and proficient at what I do in creating the space for other men and allowing them to, to move forward. It's not because I call them out. I actually call them forward into that space to do the same. Um, there's been lots of other things, Rebecca, that kind of have happened. Um, one of my uh, business associates was a international rugby union coach. And kind of he didn't know kind of any of this was happening because I hid it so well. And when I kind of told him that I'd been on this journey, I kind of you know had really poor mental health, kind of what happened in my marriage um he said what are you going to do next and um I said to him I feel like I feel as though I've got this capacity to create a space for other men and I'm going to do something around men's wellness and because I've been on that journey uh, I've got a hunger to learn more about myself and I went on a men's retreat which was a really interesting experience um it was again very kind of spiritual in nature which kind of really sort of broadened my my horizons and again expanded my mind um, because my dad wasn't in my life when we found out that we were we were pregnant again, uh, my marriage now is nothing like it used to be. It's 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 you know to the outside world it might look similar, but our ability to communicate with each other now, to hold space, to to show love and empathy towards each other. Because my wife is a she's a business leader as well. Um, she's a, a self-taught business leader for many respects. She started a business at eighteen. She's now got around about two hundred and fifty to three hundred employees, a multi-million pound turnover. So we've got two two very strong individuals in a marriage, and unless you have got the ability to connect and to really to really show up for each other, then that can be difficult. So when we found out we were having a little boy, I and he was it kind of threw up some stuff for me. I kind of realized that I felt uncomfortable raising a child, a boy, because I'd never had that really role model to me because my dad wasn't in my life. My grandparents did a fantastic job and I had a happy, healthy childhood. But the reality is that, you know, I joined the military at the age I did because I was probably distancing myself from problems. I didn't yet know I had. So I paid a private investigator to find my dad, a man that I'd had no memories of, no experience of. And the, I, in, I instructed the investigator in the October and it turns out my dad had died in the September, the month before I'd inve- instructed the investigator to, to go and find my father. So because of the conversations, the, the private investigator and i had had, he said, you know, I asked him, so what, what do I do next? And he said, I knew you'd ask that question. He said, so here's your auntie. So I drove four hours from where I live in South Wales to Northwest of England to knock on a door on a Sunday evening of a lady that I'd never met and she didn't answer so I thought great I got back in my car started to drive away but within a few moments or a few miles I I you know I I took again responsibility I realized that I hadn't driven all that way I hadn't asked myself all those questions and had all those kind of anxieties over the years about what this might look and feel like so I went back and knocked on her door till it opened and it turns out she was a lovely lady but my dad had never acknowledged me. He'd never spoke about me to his family. The kind of rumours that exist in kind of families or friendship groups kind of were always quashed by my father. And we both cried. We both had a cry. Two strangers sat in a front room on a Sunday evening in a winter, both cried. And when I got back in my car to drive back for four hours back to South Wales, I didn't listen to music or podcasts or audio books. I just sat in silence and kind of noticed what kind of came up for me. And by the time I got back home, you know, it was sort of two, three o'clock in the morning, um, when my myself, my wife, awoke the next day. I kind of said I felt different, and I couldn't contextualize what that meant. I couldn't quite communicate it. But now, looking back on it, I realized for the first time in my life, I felt complete. I felt whole. I felt good enough. And you know, I was an award-winning army commando, uh, a national sporting champion. All of those kind of boxes that I'd ticked, I'd raised like thousands, 50, 60, 70,000 pounds for ch- different charities over the years. And all of those things, all that external validation didn't mean anything because all I was ever looking for was the validation of my father. But in kind of knowing and filling those gaps in that story, my capacity to lead myself expanded. Expanded so significantly that I started to show it with a, a courage and a, con- and a conviction that I hadn't before. Or when I had before, it was it was ego. It was my ego speaking on behalf of me. But I started to do it with authenticity. I started to have more courageous conversations. I started to, to note down what my fears were and to understand them and to move towards them. And as a result, I started to repel people, some people. But I started to attract the right people, people that were kind of curious around themselves kind of wanted to progress and develop, kind of realized that they had some baggage from their past or some fears and anxieties around the future that they wanted to work through. And over the last three years, I think I've worked directly with about 80 men one-on-one. By the time this podcast goes live, I will have launched a a small group coaching course, which I'm really looking forward to delivering. And yeah, I kind of feel that my my message to everybody out there, anybody, man or woman, young or old, listen to this, is that your capacity to lead yourself directly informs your ability to lead others and whatever you've got either in your the heaviness in your heart or the insecurities in your mind if you don't bring yourself into a place of alignment in that your actions relate to what you're thinking you won't feel good about yourself and if you don't feel good about yourself it's really almost impossible to have high levels of self esteem and if you don't have high levels of self esteem then you'll find that you probably play small you'll play small in your life around the goals and the challenges you set yourself and in your workplace you'll probably find that you are maybe either passive in your approach to the people that you manage or that you're maybe aggressive because you want to be in control and to be telling people. And I'd invite people to step into a place of, of empathy because when you have high levels of self-esteem, you can be empathetic towards others. You can you can step into, into their thoughts and their feelings. You can understand how it feels to be that person in that job, in that role. And you can support them. You can call them forward instead of out you can understand what it feels like to be them and i think there's real value in in working on oneself
0: i think it's um in my experience it's another never-ending job to keep that time to reflect on yourself and how you can play to your true strengths and your true talents and the things that we've been gifted with as individuals yep Dan, you, you've shared some very um, personal stories on this podcast and they will maybe relate to, to our listeners. What, what big challenges are you facing right now and that you can demonstrate and talk about how you are leading into those challenges and taking responsibility for them?
1: Sure, that's a great question. So I was out running uh, a couple of weeks ago in 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 some, some woodland and I was listening to a podcast and the the guest on the podcast said, who would you call in your hour of need? Who would you call in your hour of need? And Because of the context of the question, he was talking about uh, your emotional needs, and I had a realization that, the people I would say that are my best friends, the people I grew up with, that have you know years of memories through kind of childhood schooling and adolescence. Uh, I've been on holidays with skiing trips, kind of European, kind of you know boys' holidays. Um, I wouldn't call them. They wouldn't be the people I call my hour of need. And I had a realization that actually I felt a, a little bit of loneliness because I'd always kind of seen or viewed these people as my best friends. And the reality is that if I was in my hour of need, I wouldn't call them. And probably the people I would call, the people I've met in the last couple of years, uh, people I term my growth friends. And I felt really uncomfortable about this. So, again, I took responsibility. I had a conversation um, not long after, kind of listening to this podcast and having kind of this experience. and um, I had a conversation with my, my best friends. I kind of told them I had something I wanted to share with them, I invited them into into a space. uh, And I told them about my experience in the woods. And I didn't try to blame how I felt on them, or kind of how we've become slightly distant in our relationships. But I just kind of showed them how I felt. And um, two of the three, they got it, they got it instantly. They got it that over the years kind of, you know, the the kind of forced WhatsApp message or the occasional phone call when we're in the car or doing something else kind of isn't really conducive to the kind of relationship that we want. Um, And they felt the same. So as a result, you know, two of my friends now are, are choosing to show up more powerfully and purposefully in our, in our relationship. Uh, we've arranged for a couple's weekend away. Uh, our families can connect. We can connect. And One things that, one of the things I'll definitely make sure that happens in that weekend is that we have time to be alone. Just me and my male friends. Uh, another thing that I've done recently, Rebecca, was... Um, when I kind of started living more authentically onto my own values, uh, I kind of had what might sound quite callous to people listening, but it came from a place again of empathy and compassion because I realized that a lot of my friends didn't share my values and I chose to let go of some of those friends. Uh, and as a result, when I looked at who was in my life, at the people I turned as friends, by default, they were the partners of my wife's friends because I grew up in the northwest of England. I moved around a lot in the military, and now I live in South Wales, as I said. So a lot of my friends were, by default, the partners of my wife's friends. And uh, not that there was anything wrong with these guys, it's just that it kind of it felt as though we were trying to achieve a friendship and a relationship. And I much prefer that flow, that kind of feeling of respect and rapport that you have with people when you connect at an authentic level. So I set up a, a men's walking group We're called Men of Mountains. We have about 140 members at the moment and we meet monthly. We walk for eight to 10 miles. We talk about our challenges. We talk about and we celebrate our successes. And no one cares about what cars people turn up in, what jobs or titles that they have in their lives and their careers. Um, Just guys out on a walk. Um, we met yesterday. We had a professional sportsman with us, and he said afterwards, "It's the first time in his professional career as a sportsman that he's not felt he's placed on a pedestal." And that is a direct result of the facilitation, the space that I create for these guys. Uh, when people come into our group, uh, they watch a welcoming video that actually isn't particularly welcoming. It kind of speaks about what we stand for, so that everybody knows kind of what the boundaries and the parameters are of our group, and. I come back to that word responsibility, because when we don't take responsibility, life tends to happen to us. But when we do, we've got the capacity to make life happen in the way that we want. And uh, I know that I like to talk, but it's something I want to show your listeners because I think it's important. Uh, uh, an Australian nurse called Bonnie Worth, she's a palliative care nurse. Uh, she interviewed hundreds of people uh, as they were in the, in the final stages of their life. And she put together a, an interesting book called The Top Five Regrets to the Dying. And I specifically won't say what the regrets are because if people have that curiosity that I spoke about earlier, they will go and search for them themselves. And hopefully they'll do it when they have a few moments of calmness and quietness in their life to reflect on what those regrets are. And because we all start life the same way, we're taught and conditioned through parenting educational systems, the way that we start our working working life, we all end it in the same way, either surrounded by the people that we've had the space and the love to show up for, because they'll be loving and supporting us or a little bit lonely and a little bit resentful because when we've been faced by adversity, we've chosen to stay in that space to accept that long-term discomfort over the short-term pain of change. And I really believe that when we take responsibility for our lives, anything, anything is possible.
0: I think that is an amazing note to end on. And there are a couple of things that you've said there that really absolutely, totally resonate with me. Mm -hmm. One is thoughts become feelings, become things. And that is a mantra that I use on a regular basis. It helps me to make sure that I manage my thoughts. And then the other one for me is we can design our lives however we want them to be. So I think of it as my big design, my my big plan. That's my responsibility. That's down to me. And I will design it how I would love to design it and live into that design. So what you have shared with us today has been incredibly powerful all around. We lead ourselves. We take responsibility for that. So as we come to a close, Madan, I just want to share one thing for listeners and then the opportunity for you to share something with listeners that you would uh, like to end on. Uh, Mine is, is if anybody is in business, growing a business and looking to get a fresh perspective on how they take their business to the next stage of growth. How do you get those great clients in your business? How do you win those new opportunities? then simply go to rgen.online and just book a call. And I would love to have a session with you. We can have a strategy session and look at new ways, get a different perspective perhaps on your business. And as you may or may not know, this comes from my own experience of growing a business to uh, 50 million in sales revenue and facing many challenges along the way. So that's offer, just go to rgen.online to book that. And Dan, what would you like? What note would you like to end on? What would you like to share with our listeners as we wrap up this podcast?
1: Thank you, Rebecca. So, the last thing that I'd like to share with everybody that's listening to this podcast is that there needs to be an appreciation that growth and comfort zones can't coexist. And wherever you are in your life, if you're not living the life in the way that you want, you have to take responsibility. And we can term it self leadership. We can, whatever t- kind of terminology we want to use here, but it's about taking responsibility ultimately. And if people are kind of either intrigued by what I do or kind of feel that they're in a space where what I do will benefit them, the best place to go is my website. And it's better-men.uk. Better-men.uk. They'll find um, useful resources There's an ebook around burnout. Um, There's a a scorecard, it's a diagnostic tool, to kind of review where we are in terms of our our leadership and ability around ourselves. And Yeah, if anybody's listened to this and they're on LinkedIn, connect me on LinkedIn. And uh, we're always recruiting for Men of Mountains.
0: Thank you very much, Dan. You've you've shared a lot of very personal um, stories, been incredibly insightful. And uh, thank you very much indeed. And I wish you every success going forward. And thank you all to the listeners for joining us on a regular basis and listening to our podcast. And as I guess a good note to end on is let's take responsibility for our leadership and uh, take some good actions towards that this week. So thank you, Dan. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And as always, if you enjoyed it, we welcome a review. And if you have any questions and like to get in touch with us, you can do that at the rjen, uk website.